Welcome to the None of Your Business podcast. I got Alonzo Williams, the godfather of the West Coast hip hop. Who are you? What do you do? I, <laughs> um, I am a hip hop entrepreneur. Started back in 1978 on the nightclubs, on nightclubs, on a record company called Crew Cut Records. I'm the leader of a group called World Class Record Group, which was the first group for Dr. Dre, DJ Yella, Klein Taylor, myself. DJ Yella, we, uh, yeah, DJ Yella and Dr. Dre went on to become NWA. I was the one that got Ice Cube, um, his first record deal in a group called um, Stereo Crew. He was on my label as well under uh, Crew Cut Records. Uh, so, and you see the movie Straight Outta Compton. Um, if you ever seen that movie, there's a guy portraying me in the movie. He's a club owner, good looking guy, uh, with a Jerry curl. And uh, he's giving Dre a hard time, allegedly, about playing hip-hop songs in his club. Uh, something that never really happened. But, you know, that whole situation has changed my life considerably. So I'm taking a run with it. All right. So, guys, this one is super exciting. We got Alonzo Williams, the godfather of the West Coast hip-hop, on None of Your Business podcast. This guy has pretty much seen... It all in the hip-hop industry. We talk about his times with the NWA, Ice Cube, DJ Yellow. We talk about so many things in this interview, guys. And I kind of went on a different approach with this interview. You know, we still talk about struggles, but honestly, I was curious about the music industry. So please share this with someone who is an aspiring artist or, you know who loves nwa and who doesn't love nwa so i love you guys please share this with, with someone and go check out eastcoasttags.com for all of your apparel needs welcome to none of your business podcast a podcast where we talk about anything but your business and ask questions that's no one's business i'm your host robert lude thank you for joining me today now let the show begin. Hell yeah. Wow. So uh, you, you've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, about 40 years, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, when it comes to West Coast hip hop, uh, there's not many people, if any, who's been in longer than I have. They've played as many roles as I have. Wow. You know, so... During that time where NWA was like coming up, like now looking back and seeing that, yeah, I was a part of that. Like, how is that? You know, man, it's uh, it's kind of amazing to me on a lot of levels. Uh, one, uh, to see the guys portraying the imagery of gangsters the way that they did. Um, those who those who know. Uh, when it came to, eh, I can't say gangsterism, excuse me, um, I never claimed to be a gangster, but on the nightclub at 22 years old, on the corner of Avalon El Segundo, servicing Compton, Watts, Gardena, in uh, South LA, you had to be an interesting, in, an interesting character and be prepared to do a lot of different stuff, including carrying guns and shooting at people if you had to. And... I was that character. They watched me, but most of them were still in junior high school. But some of them were around. Yellow and Dre was around. Q was still in junior high school. And I learned at an early age that that lifestyle was not for me. 
And so I never claimed to be a gangster, but when it comes to activity, I probably did more gangster activity than all them cats combined. And it just, it, it was laughable to me to see them, of all people, portray gangsters. Yeah. I grew up in the 70s. I went to Centennial High School in Compton, um, where, which was about 100 yards from the original uh, uh, birthplace of the Bloods, Pyro Boys. I fought with these guys in, in high school. And I realized back then that if you're not prepared to kill somebody over it, over the dumbest of things or prepared to get killed over the dumbest of things, this gangster lifestyle ain't for everybody. And it wasn't for me. But as a grown man who had a nightclub to defend, protect, and, and not really reputation, just had to establish myself with somebody not to be pushed around who was bullied as a young kid. So I really had um, something to prove. But not for myself personally. Just hey man, I'm not the same. I'm not the same dude no more. Please don't try and bully me at my own club. And that's where a lot of the um, things I had to do as a young man, as a younger man, um, that would be considered gangster stuff. That's where it came from. That's where the reputation came from. Although that's never been my mantra whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Now, like, where? What do you think about like? the music industry today you know what i just did i i was just on another interview today is my interview day i just did another interview i was telling the guy um <clears throat> social media has changed the whole record industry completely it's not so much about how many records you sell how many streams you can get your streams in most cases are based on not actual sales but people want to hear what you said because they can't believe you said it okay it's based on shock value and one of my, um, being that I was I owned a record label, I owned a record distribution company at one time, I challenged my buddies to um, make a bet. I would bet you that if the artists of today had to get people to leave their houses and go to a record store, reach in their pocket and pull out some money, put it on the table, or credit card, whatever the case may be, they would not be as popular as they are today because music is so accessible. A lot of these guys are getting streams just on the fact they sound like somebody else. The algorithms of uh, various um, platforms place people based on how they're categorized. So if you like Little Wayne, you may like, I don't know, uh, Little ba the Baby, whoever the case may be. So yeah. these guys will get streams based on um, a chain of events based on their category category and not really on their popularity. Absolutely. Some of them get no popularity, of course, but a lot of them get it just because I want to hear what they say. Oh, okay. You hear him just so-and-so? Let me check this out. Homeboy is just a so-and-so. Go to this, go to check out. So you got people doing that kind of, it's like, just like right now with this um, Cardi B video. People are talking about it so much uh, because of, uh, because of, the, of the vulgar language they're sending people to YouTube to watch the video. YouTube algorithms don't care if it's a diss view or a supportive view. It's a view. So the views go, it, they don't go, they don't go down because they're a diss view. They just go up. They only go one way. So you got a video that um that not check, not check yet yeah, uh, Thursday, 83 million views. It's only been out a few days. Yeah. So, it... You got, you know, you got guys like Akashi, who's basically a clown, uh, literally, literally, 
and because he does such such um he's like a clown stuntman he does hip-hop stunts he'll go someplace he has no business being at four o'clock in the morning and like act like he's out there talking to the people like recently he, he was recently at uh nipsey hustle's memorial on slawson and crenshaw here in l.a <coughs> excuse me and but, but he wouldn't go there by himself okay but because he has a uh, a brigade of security guards around him who you don't see on camera right you think, those who don't know think he's there by himself paying homage to nipsey also on one knee genu- making the sign of the cross right I, yeah i, I saw that video this morning and i'm like dude sh- get out of there dude right right you know he is i call him the um hip-hop hip the hip-hop uh evil Knievel. he just does stunts to get attention yeah and i, I don't even like his music it's so. not, it's, 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 he, he said stuff just to justify saying something people because it was popularity people are going to go to see it and as they go to see it whether it's good bad or indifferent it's the same thing it, it still get it still get a view it still gets um uh it still gets a view and views get money yeah absolutely so what struggles did you have um you know being a production company being a producer in the hip-hop industry well the first struggle i had i had no musical experience that was the first struggle um i was a, uh, at a young age i was a dj started djing fresh out of high school in 75 and uh i was able to go to broadcast school and get a broadcast license i wanted to be in radio and uh, <clears throat> that didn't happen but I was, it was right in the middle of the disco era. So I was able to start playing in nightclubs at 19, although I wasn't supposed to be in a nightclub. Owner told me, hey man, I need a DJ, I need a free DJ. Okay, just don't drink no alcohol. No problem, I don't drink anyway. So I would DJ the club and get my experience. And um, by the time I was 21, I had my own nightclub. And um, my, my, I think my biggest experience, what my biggest um, thing I had to overcome was, <clears throat> was um, not knowing how to make a record. We didn't know how, we, we, there was no school, no, no YouTube channel. You had, I had to go and sit in with an engineer and learn the process of making a record, not recording a record, leaving the studio with the tape, going to get the plates made, going to get the mothers made, going to get the stampers made. The actual process, because back then, it was a process involved. And if you didn't know where to go, you you had lost and i had to pay my way and i found out how to do it and we started off i started off making uh, underground mixes and shortly after that i started making my own legitimate records and i formed my own record company so it was a lot of pitfalls we had to go through i was kind of lucky because at um at an early age i had a successful nightclub so i was able to finance a lot of my own stuff most people didn't do that a lot of guys you know after that started selling dope I never had to sell dope. I just took took money out of my out of my safe and went to the studio. Nice, nice. But uh, where did you get a like a lot of backlash when you were one of the very few not selling dope, and you could just go and pay your own way? No, because in my neighborhood, everybody sold dope. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody sold dope. I was. The only guy in my neighborhood that didn't sell dope, but I grew up with all the dope dealers and they admired me because I didn't have to sell dope. 
and I provided a place for them to have the entertainment, to have parties at. Okay, so uh, I made money off the dope dealers indirectly. Yeah, I um, we all played basketball together. It was just like watching that movie with uh, Denzel and um, Ice T, Ricochet. You know, I was we played baseball together, hung out with the same girls, and because I had a nightclub, I had I had, I had a little bit of an edge. They envied the fact I didn't have to sell dope. If anything, it wasn't so much a haterade. And eventually, some of them came to work for me after they caught cases. They couldn't couldn't sell dope no more. A lot of them came to work for me, and you know it worked out. You know we all were cool, so it was no real. If it was jealousy, I never saw it. It just it just um, but it did the cops. And that's where the problem came in. I had more problems out of the cops than I did from the guys because the cop because because the cops knew my neighborhood was pretty much dope infested. The cop thought that I was the kingpin because I didn't sell dope and had a nightclub. Yeah. He treated me like a kingpin. He tried to bust me and try there was nothing to bust. I just happened to live in the same neighborhood. I dressed a certain way. I had a nice car and um everybody around me sold dope and he just knew I was a part of that situation because they were all my friends. And no, we had we, we all had lines that we didn't cross. They didn't give dances. I didn't sell dope. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So now with like where the world is today, like we got coronavirus, we got riots going on, we got just 2020 is a whole nother, whole nother year. If somebody had an influence in the music industry, what do you think is their responsibility right now in the world? I think anybody that really has something to say, if they were talking more about the uh, social injustice, uh, more about um, more of a Marvin Gaye type situation, not so much hitting on anybody, just making people more aware of where we are in the world. I mean, if you don't have any money in this world right now, you're not very well, well respected. If you don't have any money, if you don't have, well, put it this way, politicians understand what two things. Money and votes. If you have money or you have a, you, you control a, a, a voting block, they will listen to you. Okay? And if once people understand that, whether it be black, white, brown, or indifferent, we can make a difference. But as long as we are all pretty they, they play the divide and conquer game. So that we have to find a way to come to 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 put our differences aside. We all are the same, but we're all different. Okay? Mm-hmm. Put our differences aside and come up with an agenda that we can address some of the issues collectively that we all need. Simply, you know, our artists, we need, as an artist, as artists, as, eh, let me see, I gotta say this. I'm gonna sound like Kanye West in a minute. Um, we all need healthcare, okay? No matter what, black, white, whatever. We all need that, okay? If we can find a way to convey that message, to come together and make some moves that we all can benefit from collectively, I think that would be the, the artist's responsibility and not so much of this uh, wet-ass put though, you know, this WAP stuff, okay, that they're doing with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. That stuff is it's very old to me. It's very old. It's very dated. And uh, we got we got bigger fish to fry. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a... Uh, do you think with all the, in, like, all the riots going on and the protests and whatever, do you think we're you know, some something's gonna change for the better. 
I believe something's going to change for the better. Uh, I'm hoping something's going to change for the better. I um, I think I just had this conversation in the other interview. I think that it's not just up to groups like Black Lives Matter, but it's up to other groups in the community to also, especially for us as Black people, to um, try to find a way to curtail the, the, the community violence. I mean, it's real hard to tell people Black Lives Matter on one end, and but 15 people get killed in Chicago on the other. It's kind of counterproductive to me. I mean, that's and I know anybody with any common sense, and I know people are going to get mad at me for saying this on your channel, but it's real is real. Well, I mean, I can't. I don't want to cuss. Um, <laughs> I want to cuss. Real Go is, cuss. I don't. Okay. Real is real. Bullshit is bullshit. Okay. Yeah. Don't tell me over here is 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 yeah, it's bad over here, but it's okay over here, or it's not as bad over here. Nah, that makes no sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I so I I live in Montana. Um, and the state capitol when like the riots were going or the protests were going on there was like i don't think there was one person of color standing on capitol hill protesting with their knee down standing on their knee it was majority of white people that were there, you know saying black lives matter and like i thought that was really cool like from helen montana where there's majority of white people kneeling down protesting for something greater than greater than greater than themselves mm -hmm. it's cool like if you have ever been to helen montana like okay sir. it uh for that to happen alone like i thought it was really cool because there's no culture there 10 years ago like if you were not a white christian male then you just were get out of here mm -hmm. so i think you know where the world is at today um i think it's really cool to see that especially in helen montana like there's a whole lot of violence going around right now and like it, it's sad to say and but something needs to change i i think that um places like people places like helen montana um were able to see what, we, what we've been talking about firsthand for a long time with the george floyd situation you know when you see somebody videotape and just out and out kill a man for no reason. I mean, it was it it wasn't that serious. And he blatantly, while being videotaped, said, "Forget everything that's going on. I'm going to do what I want to do." And that struck a lot of people. And I do believe also, if it wasn't for the coronavirus, it might have got past us. Because for the first time in since probably World War II, we were focused on something. I mean, nobody can watch basketball. We were supposed to be right in the middle of playoffs, okay? We were supposed to be watching the Lakers annihilate somebody. I'm a Laker fan, so that's my that's that's my dig. But we were supposed to be watching the Lakers and LeBron go for the go for the championship ring. But instead, that was canceled. We had no baseball, we had no football, we had no movies to go to. Only thing we had was these phones, and these phones have united the world in ways that we didn't even realize. And here we are, all of a sudden, uh, one one young girl puts a video up and it goes viral and it shook the world because we watched a man die at the hands of the police like we never did before. Rodney King, we saw him get beat by the police and it wasn't, it was, it was believed by some, not by many, and that's another subject. But to see this guy here beg for his mom and not resist, and be blatantly killed by the police. And then you see another guy get killed uh, by two other guys in, in Georgia who was 
who was doing something. He may not have had no business doing, but it still didn't warrant a death sentence. Uh, Breonna Taylor right behind that. So it's, it's so much going on. It makes it apparent to anybody who has a heart that there's something going on when it comes to the police and black community. And I think that's where good people stand up and speak out. And that's what we have to have in order to make this thing work. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. Now to kind of change gears um, with, you know, if somebody right now, I know you, you've seen all, you know, you've been doing hip hop since 1970. You've seen so many different fads, so many different artists, so many different ways to come up. If now somebody, a young artist wants to get out there, like what are three tips that you would suggest for them to get their music career? First of all, break away from, break away from the crowd. Do not try to follow the trends of the tattoo faces, uh, the clown hair, the tight pants. Um, get a message that you believe in, that you gonna, that you can carry indefinitely. Don't try, don't set out for the don't set out for the for the immediate gratification, because in order for you to really be successful, it's going to take a little trials and some trials and tribulations. Okay. Uh, second of all, work your social media like the clowns do. You may have to find, come up with a way to be have more shock value uh, in a positive way. I haven't figured it out. Haven't figured that part out yet. But shock value will get you the views. But you have to be creative to get the shock value. You just can't pull your pants off. You can't uh, keep doing these challenges. You have to do something, do or say something that's going to make people look at you and look at you going, "Oh wow!" See, the youngsters do get it. If the youngster steps out and say something that people can relate to on a crossover level. Because right now, um, the, 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 the discomfort in the, in, the, in the world, in the country, of the world right now, is a universal subject. It's nothing, it's not just in America, it's all over the world. So whatever, whoever can embrace the world, like Atlas, grab, embrace the world, they'll be the next um, Beatles, um, whoever, they'll be the next it. Yeah, no, I, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So when you're not making, you know, I know you what you're doing your, your, uh, your hip hop. Uh, what, why am I drawing a blank right now? You're, you got your hip hop classes going on online, right? I, I do. I teach podcasting online. You teach podcast. Okay. I, I knew. I'm drawing a blank. I teach podcasts and I also teach, I teach music once a month. I, teach, I have a music webinar once a month. Uh, I talk to youngsters about the music industry. Okay. Okay. So what, what do you think is the most like pivotal part in somebody's career? When they're accepted by the masses, um, that lets people know what you really made of. Some people can take it in, a, in stride, and some people drive them nuts, okay? Um, I, I believe Kanye was one, it drove him nuts, okay? I think when you, when, when you were accepted by the masses and you make that life change, and you get that first million dollar check or that first platinum record 
of that first hit movie, if you don't have anybody around you that keep that can keep you stable, you'll fall to the wayside. Most people, um, they'll they'll shed a lot of people in their lives that will, will keep them grounded and grab grab towards the hanger owners and people that just want to be yes men, and they'll find themselves in situations that they wouldn't they wouldn't normally be in if you had your true people around you. Because see, some people get so caught up in their own uh, BS, their own bullshit, until they don't want anybody to tell them that you're wrong. Okay? Michael, get them boys out of your bed. Get, don't bring them kids around here no more, man. If Michael had Catherine or Jermaine or somebody that loved him around him, they'd be, hey, Mike, get them. No, man, you can't do that no more, man. Get them kids. Of, no, not Mike. You can't have them do this. If you're going to do this, Mike, do this right here. Okay, but some people... They, they see you as a, a possible source of income and they'll let you do whatever it's going to do to keep them paid. Mm-hmm. R. Kelly, get them girls out of here, man. Them girls are too young, R. Get them out of here. But some people see R. Saw R. Kelly as a means, to, a, way, a means to success, a means of money, and they brought in girls. And when he went down, they went down. So if people really have your best interest at heart, you always keep somebody that really that, can, that you can talk to and keep you on straight and narrow, so you can really navigate through those crazy times. And you got you a rock somewhere in your camp. You got to have a rock in your camp. Got to have a rock. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, if uh, you could go back in time and, or maybe tell like the younger version of yourself, or yeah, just the younger version of yourself. One piece of advice to have the most impact. What would that be? Mm, buy real estate. <laughs> buy real estate. Uh, real estate. At a young age, <clears throat> I acquired a nice, a nice bit of cash. Uh, unfortunately for me, nobody in my family um, had ever had that kind of money before. One, I couldn't tell them I had it because I had to borrow the hell out of me. Yeah. Uh, and two, nobody told me what to do with it. Um, I had people that was trying to tell me, but because my dad didn't understand finance, he thought if I bought this apartment building and this house, this guy wanted to sell me for $200,000, I would be broke. And he didn't understand all I needed was maybe 25000 and finance the rest. Okay? So my, by not having... Anybody to give you any financial guidance? I think that probably was one of the. Um, I would have, I would have sought some financial some some financial um, guidance back then, as opposed to listen. My dad, I, I love my dad to death, but he wasn't that. He wasn't that. He wasn't that financially savvy. So um, he gave me some advice based on his experience with money, not on based on what I had done. So um, I would have, I would have sought some financial advice. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. You know, I uh, I got into a car wreck back when I was like 16 and I ended up getting like 100 grand from the settlement. Mm. And instead, like, instead of like doing something with it, I just bought drugs and did drugs and partied across the nation. Like, and now like it, you know, got me into sobriety, but like it, and I'm grateful that like that opportunity happened because I, you know, it, I use that pain for my purpose. You know, I ended up homeless in Las Vegas and 
woke up in the ICU after a drug overdose and like now I use that pain as my purpose. So having but like it would have been nice, you know, and now like I go and I, I try and learn financial literacy today and I'm trying to clean up the mess that uh that I made, but definitely having some financial literacy right. is definitely a huge, huge part. And like we don't teach that in schools. Let's not right. you know what's so like they don't teach you about credit in schools, man. Yeah. Credit is one of the most important things you can have in your life. They won't teach it in schools, okay? Credit, I mean, you would think credit would be credit literacy and financial literacy would be something that would be a part of home economics, okay? I don't need to know how to make a cake, okay? They, the, the only thing I learned to do in home economics when it came to um, financial literacy was how to write a check. That was it. Okay, they showed me how to write a check. All right, they didn't tell me I didn't have money in the account too, but they told me how to write one. Okay, right. They right, so, taught you how to write yourself some debt. Right, how to get yourself in trouble. Okay, yeah. they never told you about uh, FICO scores or uh, credit reporting agencies and stuff like that. And, 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 and thank God for the internet. Now you can learn more on the internet than you can in any in any school about the same situation. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, you know, I, like, I dropped out of high school at a pretty young age. Um, but I don't think any of those tools, like, learn how to bake a cake or sew a sweater is doing me any good right now. Right, right, right. So right. it's, man, that's crazy. I, I learned, and I remember they teaching us in our home ec. Not to go, not to go to the grocery store hungry because you'll buy everything in the store. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember that kind of stuff. I remember, uh, like the writing checks and um, washing clothes. You know, white clothes had to have bleach. Other clothes had to have some other kind of stuff and basic stuff like that. I mean, I was one of the few cats. <clears throat> I needed an elective. Home economics was the only thing they had available, so I took it. Yeah, but you know, I still didn't learn all. I still can't cook. <laughs> right. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, so I got a couple last questions for you. Go for it. You know, where where can people find you on the internet, social media? I'm probably the easiest guy in the world to find. Um, first of all, my website, LonzoWilliams.com. You can find all my social media, my Twitter, my Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I, I send everybody to my website first, LonzoWilliams.com. Contact page. Uh, I have a number there. You can contact me on the, uh, on there. My email address. So it's Lonzo Williams. L O no A L O N Z O Williams dot com is everything. Catch me on my radio show, my podcast, my YouTube channel. I do a Tuesday night um, music uh, music show. Excuse me, new music show every Tuesday. You want to watch the show? Go go to that page. Go to MalonzoWilliams.com and push the uh, flyer at seven o'clock, and it'll take you right to the page where I'll, where I'll be live every Tuesday. Right on, right on. So, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, geez, I thought I was gonna, anyways. Do you have a morning routine? You know what, I used to, uh, it's changed dramatically. Uh, usually when I get up in the morning, man, I get up about, about 6, 6.30, depending on what day of the week it is. If it's uh, Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, I get up and I'll go run three miles. That's my that's my exercise. I do that. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 
I get ready for my, I have a class I teach at 12 o'clock, so I do my little class prep for that. And I might do a little workout depending on how I'm feeling that day. If I recovered from the day before, cool. Um, I don't have a routine, just a morning routine. That's probably about it. Because my day is pretty much different every day, man. That's what I love about being an entrepreneur. There's very little time to get bored. I mean, uh, this COVID situation has made me focus on my studio more. I bought new equipment and um, I do more podcasts and I do more editing. And you ask me about my morning routine. My morning routine is those three things. You know, I get up and I uh, eat me a bowl of, a bowl of oat, uh, Cheerio oats and I'm starting my day. There you go. Mm-hmm. Take my vitamins. I'm a vitamin nut. So I have uh, about four or five vitamins I take every morning um, just to get me get me started. And they work for me. They keep me active, keep me going. And I'm, I'm going to put them on my website too. So you can find out what I take. Keep me young. There you go, guys. Go find it. Go check out his website. And definitely check out his Instagram. He definitely got a lot of cool stuff going on. Thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love your I love your Instagram. Um, so one last question for you. What is your message to the world? My message to my message to the world is one, it's never too late to do something good. Okay. Like I said before, I, I gave NWA a foundation. I'm proud of that. To a, I'm proud of that. I can say to a certain degree. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the guys that Dre became, Q became. Um, but for me, I'm, I'm not through yet. I'm not done yet. My my uh, nonprofit, the New York Revolution, is promoting this. What you see behind me, Hood Peace. Hood Peace is something I feel is very near and dear to my heart here in the community. Um, because the day my youngest son was born, another man's son died in my parking lot at one of my clubs, and that's always hot haunted me. And I had to go to court and deal with all the uh, <coughs> legal. A situation of somebody dying on your property. Meanwhile, I, I go home and look at my son at night, and I uh, thank God I wasn't the people being. I, I wasn't the one that was suing. You follow me? Yeah. And but I also realized if we don't stand up for our community, nobody else will. So I've, I created this thing called Hood Peace. Uh, you see the, the background behind me is red and the blue. With the guns, with a, uh, no guns, no guns in the middle, um, <clears throat> and basically, it's, it's um, I won't say a counterpart, but it's uh, an additive to uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter dealing with the police and the systemic racism. Well, I'm dealing with the hood and um, stupid, stupid killing. Okay, stupid shootings. You know, bullets, bullets travel for over a mile before they lose their velocity. So you can shoot somebody on one street, kill them on the next, and nobody even know why you did. Yeah. And you got cats jumping out of cars on the freeway, just unloading them, unloading bullets and loading, you know, people running through the neighborhood shooting and babies are getting killed, old folks are getting killed, and then nobody wants to be responsible for their actions. That's bullshit, okay? I'm sorry, that's bullshit. And, you know, I, as a grown man, I feel like it's, it's my responsibility to say something about that, man. So that's why I'm pushing this campaign called Hood Peace. It's, it's a grassroots campaign uh, consisting of street signs, posters, everything I used back in the day to get people to come to my club. I used, I used uh, street signs and posters to get people to come to my club, flyers, 
So I'm combining all the old school methods with the new school methods as well. And hopefully to make a difference. And we're launching this in, in Compton. So, you know, hopefully uh, Compton is Compton has always been a, uh, a mecca of movements. Hopefully this, this hood peace movement will take off and go viral straight out of Compton. Hell yeah. So for the people that are listening that are not in Compton, how can they support this hood piece? Uh, you can go to Milk Revolution. You can you can donate. You can buy a poster. You can buy a banner. Put it. I mean, a yard sign. Put it in your front side. Put it in your front yard. Uh, you can buy a T-shirt. You can, and there's all kind of ways to support it. Uh, it's like it's like it's like just like Black Lives Matter. You know, people got those Black Lives Matter signs in their front yard. Let people know, hey, we care. We care. Okay. And I think that's what people. That's what youngsters in, in a lot of cases don't get it. They don't think people care. I don't think um, they may see that more from the government and higher up, but the people next to you, we have to care because you are next door neighbors. You are kids, okay? If I can help another kid, I might be saving my own son's life. I could be saving somebody else's son's life. So if I can help a young man not to want to shoot, I might be saving a life or somebody close to me or somebody that somebody else may know. So that's my job. That's my responsibility as a grown ass man. Absolutely. To try and curtail and make a difference in our community. Hell yeah. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Alonzo. Everyone who's listening, go check out his Instagram. Go check out his websites. Everything will be in the show notes, guys. Alonzo, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate it. Glad to be here, Doc. Absolutely. I hope that you guys enjoyed this interview with the godfather of the West Coast hip-hop, Alonzo Williams. You know, I, I learned a lot from Mr. Williams. Having a conversation about the social injustice and the history of the hip-hop culture and what a person can do to help spread the message, and change the world. So, guys, be a part of this mission. Save someone's life. Be a part of the solution and not the problem and share this with someone. Till next time, guys. I love you.